me. Good morning, church. Happy New Year's. Good to see you, see everyone this morning. Uh, it's an honor to be able to uh, share a message from God's Word with you this morning. And I'd love to start out just with a word of prayer. So if you'd pray with me. Dear me, Father, I thank you for your faithfulness over this last year. Um, thank you for the ways that you provide for us, um, for your uh, unending love. Uh, Lord, I pray this morning, um, as we dive into your word, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us, that you'd open our hearts and our minds this morning to what uh, you'd have for us, that you'd direct us um, in areas in our life that maybe need to change. Uh, but we love you, Lord. Again, thank you for this time this morning. Praise in your name. Amen. Well, uh, when I was praying through what to share with you all this morning, kind of coming out of the Christmas season, uh, having just New Year's Day be just yesterday, just starting a new year. So many of us were in this kind of season of fresh and new. Uh, possibly there are some areas in our life that we want to make changes, or some of us are in day two of our New Year's resolutions, which hopefully you're still going strong here in day two. Um, but uh, my mind, you know, in the season of change and new, my mind went back to a series that we went through as a summit youth group this last fall um, about change, and we called that series Metamorphosis. Um, and while I won't obviously recap the entire Metamorphosis series with you this morning, the basic premise is that just like how a caterpillar undergoes a metamorphosis when it becomes a butterfly, we as Christians undergo a metamorphosis of sorts when we decide to follow Christ. And not many people know this, but I was actually a biology major when I was in college. And possibly my best class, there wasn't a lot of those, but possibly my best class was entomology, which is the study of insects. Yeah, weird one, but at the last day of uh, class, we were able to have a bug feast where we ate all these different kinds of bugs. It was one of my favorite days of, of college. But um, so the nerdy side of me will let you know that ants, bees, moths, wasps, ladybugs, they also all undergo a metamorphosis as well. The butterfly just gets the most publicity, but that's nerdy information we don't need to talk about this morning. But I do want to share with you the biology definition of metamorphosis, because I think it works really well with what we're going to talk about this morning. And the de definition is this, it is a striking change of form or structure in an individual after hatching or birth. So I'll read that again. A metamorphosis is the striking change of form or structure in an individual after hatching or birth. And as Christians, we don't need a new year to become a new person. We go through a metamorphosis of sorts when we decide to follow Christ. We, as Christians, should display a striking change because of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. People should see that our lives are changed, that we are different than we were before, that our very substance is different. And the Bible doesn't use the exact words metamorphosis, obviously, but it does describe the supernatural change that happens in a person when they take that step and receive Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Some translations say a new creation. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. In John 3.3, 3, Jesus says this way. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So you can see these facets of rebirth and change in our very substance. 
So this means when we become a Christian, we become a new creation. God changes our lives when we allow him to be our Lord and submit to his will and submit to the Holy Spirit's direction in our life. Yet, I'm guessing if you're anything like me, and even if you're already a Christian, and you're already a follower of Christ, there's still some areas in your life that you would like to see changes. There's some improvements you'd like to make. Perhaps now with New Year's, you're thinking about uh, what are some of these changes you could make, uh, some of these improvements you want. Maybe it's in areas around your health, or it's forming new uh, healthy habits, or maybe it's breaking some old bad habits, um, pursuing new goals. We all have this desire to grow, to change, and to improve. And uh, obviously becoming a new creation in Christ, that's a really big topic. I'm not going to be able to talk about all the facets of that this morning. But I want to narrow that down, and I want to give you just the simplest and easiest way to change this morning. And the good news is this method won't take, uh, you know, reading a blog post of the 10 steps to becoming a better you. It won't take reading a bunch of self-help or self-improvement books, most of which are mumbo-jumbo anyways. Uh, it won't take uh, going, spending hours going to conferences and seminars discovering God's will. Uh, instead, if you do this one thing, I'm so confident that your life will change for the better that I'll give you my 100% money back guarantee. Now, the advice is free, but still, I'll still give you that guarantee. Uh, this, is, this one single thing won't just change your life in 2022, but beyond as well. And it's really, really simple. So you ready for it? All right. And on the edge of your seat, serve. That's it. Serve other people. If you want your life to change, if you want your life to leave the caterpillar stage and rise up and spread your wings like a butterfly, then serve somebody else. So let's read this morning what Jesus has to say about serving others. So if you'd open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 20, uh, the verses will be on the side screen as well. We'll be in Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 20. So Matthew 20, verse 20, I'm just going to read the first four verses, and then we're going to come back and read the rest. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and that's James and John, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. We're going to come back and finish reading that, but just stopping there, I love that we kind of have a first century loving helicopter mom right here. Uh, from the Gospel accounts, we know that Mother Zebedee was a regular member of the disciple groups uh, who accompanied Jesus. And what she's doing here is she's asking on behalf of her two sons, who are both disciples, uh, two of the 12 disciples, James and John, to receive prominent positions in Jesus' future messianic administration. So this isn't just a 21st century soccer mom going to coach trying to secure more playing time for her first grade son. This is so much more of a huge request. Asking to be the right hand or left hand, that suggests proximity to a king's person. So if you're in that close proximity to a king, that means that you're earning a share in the king's prestige and power. 
And I know I'm giving mom a hard time here, but obviously uh, mom is just acting on behalf of her son's ambitious plans. James and John are along with mom the entire time while she makes the request, and even to the point where Jesus just begins talking to them directly because he knows the disciples' hearts. The sons are the ones wanting prestige and power. They want the promotion, they want the recognition, they want the honor. And before we read how Jesus responds to this, I think it's good to pause and reflect that right now, that these same attitudes that the disciples had, I think, are still very alive and prevalent today. We live in a time of self-promotion. If you look up self-promotion on the internet, uh, you'll encounter hundreds of blogs and books teaching you how to better market yourself. If, uh, I think this all comes back to a sad truth that we can be a very self-absorbed people, and the temptation to promote ourselves runs really deep. Uh, if someone tells us their opinion, we immediately want to share with them our opinion. If we are older, we desire to be well-connected and well-networked in our careers. We want to be respected by other people. If you're younger in this room and you're honest, uh, there's likely been times in your life that you've desired to be famous or have hundreds of subscribers on your YouTube channel or uh, thousands of people liking your posts on Instagram and Facebook. We all want to be liked. We want to have influence. And don't get me wrong, I don't think things like possessing influence or earning the respect of others on their own is necessarily wrong. Some of us have gifts or skills or abilities that are going to put us in positions of influence. However, I think the problem in our culture is that many of us make our identity and our self-worth tied to the level of influence and power we have. So how much money I make, uh, how many likes my posts get on social media, or how loud people cheer for me on the sidelines, those are the things that indicate how valuable of a person I am. And that is, of course, a lie. And I don't think this lie is very surprising. I think the world spends trillions of dollars marketing to you the lie for you to only look at yourself in the mirror. Be me-focused, right? The world tells you the world just needs more of you. So lift yourself up, prop yourself up. It doesn't matter who you push down on your way to the top. Just lift yourself up any way possible and get to the top. But if we keep reading here in Matthew, Jesus offers us a very different way. And it's risky, it's not popular, and I think it's such a complete overhaul and so contrary to the way many people function that I think it would uh, be a complete metamorphosis. It's a radical change. So let's see how Jesus responds to the disciples, two disciples' requests. So keep uh, following along with me in a scripture passage now at Matthew 20, verse 24. When the ten heard about this, so the other disciples, uh, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I love, first off, you see that the, the other ten disciples are upset. And I, I would like to think it was for good reasons, but it's probably because they were like, no, I want to be the right and the left hand of Jesus. I want that power and recognition. And I love Jesus' response when he calls them all together. He's, he tells them, you know, the rulers of this world flaunt their power and use it to rule over their people. 
But Jesus says right there in verse 26, he says, not so with you. Jesus is saying, not, this isn't going to be the case with my followers. They're not going to flaunt their power and prestige and authority. You all are going to be different. He says, instead, whoever wants to be great among you must become a servant and a slave. And uh, what really hits home, verse 28, he says, just as the Son of Man, so that's himself, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Isn't that just crazy that greatness in God's kingdom isn't about possessing power or influence or authority or wealth? Uh, That's the way of the world. Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, then serve. And every time I read that Jesus came to not be served, but to serve, it kind of hits me all over again. Jesus was the real deal. Jesus was the opposite of a self-promoter. He never bragged about the miracles he performed. He refused to let the crowds make him king. And we can see even an example of his humility. If we go back up to verse 23, when Jesus first responds to them and says, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places uh, belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Jesus here is showing remarkable submission to the father. He's not even claiming the right among his own disciples to choose how his own servants are going to be rewarded. Instead, he gives that to his father. Jesus was a servant until the very end. If you know the story of Jesus and what he did on the cross, his whole reason to coming to earth was because of what he states right there in verse 28, to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom is a payment demanded or paid for the release of a prisoner. So Jesus' life is that payment. So who is the prisoner being released? Well, it's the many. It's, what it says, it's, it's everyone. We all are prisoners to death and to sin. Everyone on this earth, past, present, and future, are held hostage by sin. And the only way out was an exchange. Jesus paid the ransom. Once and for all, Jesus made that great exchange on the cross for us. He took our punishment. He served us by giving up his life so that we don't have to. That is the good news of the gospel. And in response, we as followers of Christ are called to follow that example of Jesus. In Philippians 2, right before some very famous verses about Christ's humility, incredible humility, the Apostle Paul challenges us as followers of Christ to imitate the same attitude as Christ. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5 say, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And I encourage you to read the rest of Philippians 2. But I'm going to read those three verses again. And while I do, just think about how countercultural this is compared to our world, which is so focused on self-promotion. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So when we get away from the mirror and being me-focused, we naturally start to look around and see the other people around us as well. When we know Jesus and we, we read in the Gospels how he treated people, that he served them, and then when we are serving others, we're following that example that Jesus set out for us and we're helping point others to him. 
And the cool thing about serving is we always think about the influence it makes on the other person. But serving doesn't just change the other person. It also changes us, sometimes without us even knowing it or realizing it. That's why I said at the beginning of this that the easiest way you can start changing this year to look more like Jesus is to serve somebody else. There are so many things I can't get into. There's so many things that the Holy Spirit can do in us when we serve others. It might sober us or humble us. Our perspectives can change. We might experience God's power in brand new ways because we're relying on him more for our strength. We might see miracles. We might experience more joy. Uh, Maybe we might become surrounded by other people who are serving too, and this can curb isolation and loneliness because we gain community when we serve. Maybe it can strengthen our faith, teach us more about Christ. So with the time I have left, I just want to get really applicable this morning. How do we serve someone? Where can we start? So to end this morning, I just want to quickly give you three places in three ways that you can start serving someone today. So first, three places you can serve. The first place, often overlooked but so important, and that is in your family. God has placed each of us in a family. For better or worse, we're stuck with each other, right? If we're in our family. And some of us come from very broken or difficult homes, while some of us might, from the outside, be living someone else's dream life in a Christian home that everyone else adores. But Either way, I promise that you will face struggles and difficulties at different times. And either way, I think God has uniquely placed you in your family to serve. And depending on your life stage, uh, whether it's caring for elderly parents, maybe it's caring for your younger kids if you're a parent, or caring for your grandkids if you're a grandparent, or you're caring for a sick spouse, we all have different um, positions spots in our life, but this can be possibly one of the most challenging and time-consuming but also important areas that God has called us to serve every day. So be sure to prioritize it in your life. Uh, oftentimes with my teenagers, I, uh, youth group, I, uh, I know that they can get a pretty bad rep in this area, right? They can have a bad rep, teenagers being the most selfish person in the house. You know, it's all of a sudden mom's fault because she didn't clean the outfit I wanted to wear on this given day, right? Um, so I, I encourage them, why don't you change that stigma, uh, teenagers, of being the most selfish person in the house? Maybe clear the dishes without being asked or do a chore, actually have your room be clean. Maybe volunteer to um, take care of a younger sibling so your parents can go on a date night. What are these simple things that you can do to serve your family? And I think this is true for everyone, teenagers or not, but when you become a servant to your family, you'll be amazed at how it transforms tension and arguments into times of meaningful conversations and peaceful quality time together. So make sure to serve your family. The second place you can serve is in your community. So that means at your church, at work, at school, in the activities you're doing in your life. And let's face it, if you're a student, you're stuck at school for at least eight hours a day. If you're an adult working full time, you're stuck every week in hours and hours, likely with your coworkers and in meetings. So you might as well use these opportunities to show somebody the love of Christ. I think some people, especially now, entering 2022, some people are just so lonely. They're so isolated. I'm sure someone in your mind immediately comes to mind, someone who might sit alone or can just seem standoffish, who is unpopular because they are different. 
And I'm telling you right now, God is imploring you to be their friend. Start a conversation. Invite them over for dinner or invite them for a cup of coffee. Invite them to church or to a Bible study. Sometimes it can even just be the smallest, simplest things in our life. Holding the door for somebody else, smiling at somebody, even doing these really small things. Sometimes you'll be amazed at how God can open doors to share the gospel when you just have that mindset to serve others. And the last place that we can serve is beyond. By beyond, I mean everywhere else. And I do believe that many people, uh, that God calls many people to serve right where they're currently at. So in our own Jerusalem or Judea. But for some, uh, hopefully you've been praying about it, maybe God is calling you to the ends of the earth. Is God calling you to go on a mission trip with your family? Or maybe is God even calling you to be a missionary? I'm gonna come back to this point here in a minute. But next, I want to just quickly give you three places you can serve. So we did three ways, um, but now three uh, places, or I just gave you three places you can serve, your family, your community, and beyond, and now here are three ways you can serve. The first is with your money and your possessions. Uh, And you might not feel like you have much to give, but we all have something. Everyone can do something. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So tithe by giving money to the church. Maybe help sponsor a compassion child or help sponsor a missionary family. We can also all use our possessions. If you have a car, you can offer a ride. Uh, If you have a roof over your head, you can invite your neighbor into your home for a meal and offer hospitality. Uh, If you have two guitars, maybe give a guitar to someone who is learning. Serve using your money and your possessions. The second way we can serve is with our time and energy. We all have 24 hours in a day. You have strength in your muscles and energy in your bones to get up and go, so use that energy well. Right here in our very church uh, on Mondays and Wednesdays, we host the Sparks program with Orno Schools, which is tutoring for uh, at-risk elementary and middle school age uh, children. What a great opportunity right here in our own building. Maybe God is calling you to be a tutor. Also in our own church right now, we have a current need for people serving in the nursery and in children's ministry volunteers. Maybe that could be you, um, God's calling you to serve. But really here, the possibilities of using your time and your energy are endless. You could visit the lonely in a nursing home. You could serve at a homeless shelter once a month. You could even just vacuum your house. There are so many different ways that you can use your energy. And the last way that we can serve is with our talent. And I think this is a good reminder that you have talent. You have things that you are good at. You have intelligence and creativity that only you possess. And sometimes I think we need to be reminded that God uniquely gifts each of us. So how can you use your gifts that God has granted to you? Maybe serve on a worship team. Maybe coach a sports team. Maybe invite a teenager or young adult over to your house and just teach them how to cook because not a lot of them know how. Uh, If you're gifted in hospitality, be hospitable. If you're gifted in teaching, then teach. Again, it's what ways has God gifted you and how can you use those to serve? So money and possessions, time and energy, and talent. And then serving with your family, your community, and beyond. So if you want to change, not only yourself, but you also want to change the world, then put someone else first and serve them. In a world of self-promotion, in a world of greed and selfishness, Christians can be different and should be different. 
Remember, Jesus says in the, in, the, in the passage we read, he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. You see, God has this amazing adventure for us that is so much bigger than the world of me. There are wrongs to be made right. There's hungry people to be fed. There's orphans to be given a home. There's um, sicknesses that need to be cured, lonely that need to be visited, and most importantly, souls that need to be saved. So the world needs the example of Jesus. He wants you to be a part of it. So how is God calling you to serve, and who is God calling you to serve this morning? I think it's really cool this morning that I'm able to highlight someone right now that was doing just that. Um, and she's not someone that, she's very humble and would not like this kind of attention, but we're going to give it to her anyway, so I apologize. But um, Callie Elmore is someone who uh, came to faith a little bit later in her life. She was invited to youth group by, by a friend and uh, came to faith through her time at Summit Youth Group and uh, just continued to grow and mature and develop in her faith and Callie is someone who absolutely has a heart to serve. You know, she will stay late for setup. She'll do all of the baking and cookies, and she'll bring all the treats. She's been serving for years now as a small group leader. Every Wednesday night, she'll show up. Uh, she leads our middle school girls as a small group leader and is just, uh, just a friendly face who's regularly willing to serve. Uh, additionally, in young adults, she, she's a host, and she'll host different nights and has people over and is incredibly hospitable, and she has just been such a blessing to me and the ministries I'm involved with, but just a blessing to the people around her, the youth she interacts with, the young adults she interacts with, and the people in the community, and I've been so thankful to see how she's grown in her faith and continues to serve in all these areas in her life. And uh, Callie, I, she was baptized here, if you remember, a, a couple, uh, about a month ago. And she is actually just this week about to head off with YWAM for six months. And she's going to spend three months in Hawaii, I know, very unlucky, uh, where she's going to be learning and training and equipping. And then she's going to spend three months after that in service and missions. And she doesn't know her assignment yet. She could be in Eastern Europe or she might be in Costa Rica. So she's going to be in a country around the world sharing the love of Christ. And I think this is so awesome that in her own church that we have someone who kind of came up here and has served here and is now getting to use her gifts and her skills uh, to go worldwide. And I know the church is, um, the missions committee is supporting her and her venture, which is just awesome. We're so grateful for that. And we're just so excited for Callie as she goes on. But also, we can be praying for her as she goes. So at this time, I'm going to invite Callie up. She doesn't have, she, she said it could be really simple, so she doesn't have to talk this morning unless she would like to. And I'm also going to invite Pastor Dominic up, and we just would like to spend uh, a moment praying for her. Well, we are so excited for you, Callie. Let's just come up over here. We don't want you to be hidden behind all of this stuff here, but uh, we're just so proud of, of Callie and what's happening here, and you know, it's kind of easy to, to miss the real beauty of all that's, that's happening here. As, as Phil had said, and as we had heard from Callie uh, at her baptism six weeks ago, that she came to faith here 
at the church and in um, the youth group, and she grew in her relationships with the other students and with the leaders. She stayed on board to be a leader in the youth group and uh, has been growing there in relationships. And now God has placed this passion in her to, uh, to be trained to now share the gospel with others around the world. And uh, when you think about our mission as a church, it's to connect with God, connect with others, connect others with God, right? And then the idea is that's cyclical. It starts over again when you connect others with God. They grow in their relationship with God and others, and then they make disciples. So as a church, our mission is to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, right? That's the way the church has always worked from the beginning of time. And so God's wonderful story is now being written through you. And as a community, we get to be a part of that. And so my excitement about this is, is through the roof, Callie. You're the, the exemplification of what we're trying to accomplish many times over. And so we're going to be supporting you through prayer. Through all of this, we're excited to hear about your experience and what's, what's coming up. And the missions committee is supporting you as well. And so as a community, I just want us to, to celebrate this moment and say, how can we make this happen 10 more times this next year, 20 more times this next year, and really see the gospel of Christ at work in a way that's cyclical and makes disciples around the world. So we want to pray for you, Callie. Uh, we're making it easy on her. We're not going to make her talk in the mic, right? That's a trick. That's, that, was a, that was a trick. Uh, but I asked her before the service how we can be praying for her. And uh, she said, first of all, just for travel, all the travel that's coming up, just protection and that. And I said, what makes you uh, excited and what makes you nervous? And she said, excited to learn everything and to really grow uh, in her relationship and understanding of God. And then also nervous just about uh, really being away from home for the first time for a number of months. Uh, she spent a month away from home once, but now this is her first extended time away. But God's going to bless you in that. When you seek him first, he's going to grow and develop you and mature you in a way that is uh, just just uh, not comparable to anything else. So uh, we're going to pray for you right now. And I encourage you all to be remembering Callie in the coming months in your prayers. And uh, we'll have to get you back up here and maybe see if we can stick a mic in your face <laughs> and uh, you can share what, what's been going on. So let's just take a moment to pray for Callie. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful in the ways that you've uh, really touched Callie's heart and that you've called her to you, you've called her into service and that she, uh, God, just out of love, uh, responded to that in obedience. And uh, we just think about the months ahead. Um, she'll be suffering for you in Hawaii for a while, but uh, she'll be learning so much there. And in this training, we just pray that you would multiply all of that in her, uh, that she can really just grow in her passion for you and her understanding for you, and that you would just teach her uh, through your word uh, just the, the wonderful message of reconciliation that you've entrusted to us. And so I, I pray for her now as she becomes an ambassador uh, of you, as we all are, God, that you would just continue to bless her and guide her, that she can speak your truth uh, to uh, the, all those that she comes in contact with and that she becomes a light in, in the darkness for you. So, God, we pray for that, that you would just protect her and give her travel mercy in, in, the, in the months ahead and the many times she'll be flying and moving. And we also pray just for her time away from home, that, uh, that she would just grow in her independence as an individual, but uh, mostly in her dependence of you, that she would know that as she seeks you first, that all other things will be added unto her. And so we pray for this now in, in your name, Jesus. 
Uh, the, pray your blessings over her in the, in the time to come. Amen.